Warning, this podcast contains dry humor and sarcasm not suitable to those who can't take a fucking joke. Listener discretion is advised. everyone <laughs> what's good what's happening welcome to episode 29 of the most problematic true crime podcast out there right now that's probably pretty accurate <laughs> i feel like it is especially yeah i feel like it is i'm just gonna leave it there <laughs> well um we're still on quarantine as you guys know yeah, it's day 542. If you find these audio tapes, uh, we probably died a couple months ago. Um, I killed myself. I don't know about Nia. Hope you're still out there, actually. I got abducted by aliens. Oh, cool. All right, yeah. how'd that go? Did they probe you? <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like day 500 of this shit. I'm sick of it. I have pain in muscles I didn't know existed. Yep. It's insane. <laughs> it's amazing how, like, bothersome it is to your body to sit around. Like, you would think more movement would bother you. <laughs> right? But I guess we're made for movement. I mean, who knew? Honestly, who knew? Like we're supposed to be like runners and like all that type of stuff but but some of us weren't built like that please (laughs) my ass definitely (laughs) can't run for shit neither can i to be honest like i see some people out here just like running for miles and miles and miles and on on end and i'm just like how like i feel like i'm dying after like mile one and they're not even breaking a sweat (laughs) it's not fair at least you can get a mile and run. I can barely run a block. What are you talking about? It took about? me about five years to get a mile down, right? <laughs> I need to get those really expensive sports bras. The I think they're called like she or her, something like that. They got like the strap on the front and shit. Oh, shit. So that my titties ain't flopping while I'm running because that's oh. what hurts. Damn. Big titties is not where it's at. I, will, I really want them removed. <laughs> I just have saggy flapjacks at this point, so... Myra. <laughs> I mean, look, if we're being real here, if y'all want to pay for my job, cash at me. I'm down for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have not shout out our cash app in a few episodes, but it is in the description. So if you guys want to bless either Myra and I with some shmoney, hit us up. But we know everyone's struggling, so we're not going to require it of you. We need enhancements for the OnlyFans that we're going to start. <laughs> look, every day, OnlyFans look so much more tempting. Every I saw this one chick posted her, like, earnings since September. She made, like, $57,000 since September. That's someone's whole salary. And not only that, but she showed, like, I guess OnlyFans shows, like, a chart. Mm-hmm. of like your earnings and so she started by giving out a bunch of free content and then in like january is when she started charging and then it spiked up so 
in reality, from January until now, she made $57,000. And that's that after so taxes. Wow. All I got to do is show some booty holes? Come on now. Come on now. Did you see that one girl who got fired from her job, though? Because she was, like, working on cars and, like, sexy lingerie or something like that. And they oh, fired well, her. I mean, I wouldn't do nothing in the office. <laughs> Unless you pay me the right amount, and then we might talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, it's a wonderful segue. Let's what an talk. intro. What an intro. <laughs> Only at Antisocial Murder Club. I mean, you said we're the most problematic uh, true crime. We're sticking to our roots. Yes. You got a problem, see us. Or don't, just keep to yourself, to be honest. Social distancing. We'll just fry fry you up on another episode. That's all that's going to happen. True. So uh, this week we have one case because my ass was busy. um, And Myra was able to get a really good case for us. I volunteered as tribute. Yeah. I kind of like regretted it halfway because I remembered how like much work goes into these like research shit and I'm just like oh that's why we need to get signed to a network so we can have interns research it for us see but I feel like I'm so much of like not a perfectionist because I know like perfection is ridiculous or whatever but I need things done my way in like a certain way that I just would not be able to let them do it like I I'd probably like tell them to start and then halfway be like you know what I'm just gonna do it Thanks. I'm just gonna take. Some Go coffee. get my coffee. Just, just do that. There you go. That's what the intern's there for. <laughs> Yo, talk about coffee. So you guys know Mother's Day is coming up, and I ordered my mom a Keurig for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. but you know how I use her Amazon Prime. Oh no! I, I almost thought that I put it on her card by mistake. <laughs> but I imagine? checked. I know she'd been like, "Who just bought something for a hundred dollars?" But does that oh. mean she can see it? Yeah, but I'm not tripping about that. Like, oh, okay, she probably won't even see it. Nah, I just sent it directly to her house. True. But she usually gets the emails like when they send it and stuff. But it's, again, I'm not really bugging about it. So true. My uh, my sister's birthday is the day before Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So I asked her what she wanted, and she just wanted like a very nice. I think it's like Swedish brand, whatever. Um like frying pan but it's like really fancy and nice and so i just got her that and then i got my mom like some sandals that i showed you i thought they they were cute on your mom (laughs) they're so cute they're like so my mom and that's why like when i saw them i was like yes perfect yes oh i got her the curate because she said she wanted starbucks for mother's day she was like just have one of those apps deliver me starbucks i was like mom it's not on the app and i don't think any starbucks are open at the moment but you know i mean they are but it's literally like a it's a herd health risk out there <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a health risk so i'll just send you a curate i ordered her favorite she loves chai tea so i got her the pods for t- chai tea and there you go perfect the gift that keeps on giving exactly <laughs> buy your own starbucks ma'am <laughs> this is your starbucks cups pods whatever yeah so I got her that. Hopefully she'll use it. I got her like the the small one for like the single serve cups. Mm-hmm. So those are nice, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, I kind of want one, but I don't know where I'll put it. <laughs> you don't even drink coffee, man. Uh, I can drink other things. 
Yeah, but it's not. Mm, mm. I like it for like the cold drinks too, because you know, if I buy juice, it's gonna be too much in the house. So if I get the individual, that's better. And then um, Ashley, you know, our homie that's at the beginning of the podcast of every episode. <laughs> Shout out, Ashley. She hit me to, um, you can get Theraflu in the cups. What? Yeah. So, you know, when you're mm-hmm. sick and you want to see some dragons in your kitchen, there you go. <laughs> There you go. I remember I had Theraflu once and I just like passed out. Well, see, I saw dragons in my kitchen because I drank Theraflu and took some um, NyQuil to the head. Oh, so you OD'd. <laughs> I mean, I was trying. I felt better the next day, though. I was not sick no more. <laughs> Is but- this a cure for? Never mind. Never mind. I'm not going to put that out there. We know people. Never mind. I probably even, and like third flu, because it's a hot drink, I probably poured some Bacardi in it too, because I drink, rum, I drink rum when I'm sick. So yeah, I was all kinds of fucked up, but you know. That's why you was seeing dragons. Mm-hmm. Did you do ayahuasca without knowing? <laughs> that's, that's the recipe for ayahuasca. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right oh my God. All right. I guess we should finally get started on this episode. Or yeah, sorry. Bunch of stuff. <laughs> Enough catching up. I mean, this is what happens when you're on quarantine. <laughs> no human contact, so you just exactly. keep rapping. Exactly. Exactly. There's no stopping us. <laughs> I'm going to stop scratching myself. My bad. I have really bad eczema. So if you hear that scratching in the background, it's me scratching my leg, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like trying to stop myself from doing it, but I just can't. It's like a soothing like feeling. What a sexy visual that you just gave all the listeners. <laughs> really not. It's really not. <laughs> scaly eczema down my leg (laughs) (laughs) all right so like nia said i have one case for y'all um and it's it's a fucking doozy this one is crazy i mean it's not that crazy but it's kind of crazy i enjoyed learning about it watching stuff on it listening to podcasts about it because i know you can't like listen to it but dr phil's podcast he like does really good breakdowns of these cases and that's like the first time i heard about this one but like after that i just couldn't take it seriously like every episode dr phil the only thing he says is like i have so much experience i have this many years of experience i've done this i've done that and she's like all right dr phil just shut the fuck up he sounds like he's the prize (laughs) Good good one literally don't mind it it's just that his accent just makes me laugh it's like i can't because he keeps saying that over and over again (laughs) and i was just like i can't like i'm just gonna sit here be laughing instead of paying attention to the details of the case so i just i just could i think i listened to like three like in quote seasons because it was like three different cases but it was multiple episodes for each case Mm -hmm. and this was one of them and then i just stopped listening because i was like all right i cannot do this like that's too much (laughs) too much Um, (laughs) wow why do you do this dr fail (laughs) (laughs) all right so the case that i have for y'all um this week is the kathy family murder so this Hmm. takes place in good old texas and my sources are mainly this texas monthly article that i found that was like perfect had so many facts um also um an episode of killer couples on oxygen and murderpedia Wikipedia surprisingly did not have anything on this. Murderpedia is a goat. Even though I feel like the way they organize the information is sometimes Thank in the you. blower. 
I, that's why I barely use Murderpedia because it's just like, I, like, y'all are so out of order and you list so many, like, articles stating the same things that I'm just, like, confused and overwhelmed. And yeah, it's like you read the same paragraph like 10 times before you get to new information. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our story starts March 1st of 2008. It's about 4.30 in the morning, and a call about a shooting at a nearby residence came into the Raines County Sheriff's Department in Alba, Texas. Now, Alba was a rural community or is a rural community with a population of only 492 people. That's insane. So the city was... Of course, conservative, deeply religious, which just all smelled like racism to me. (laughs) Telltale signs. Exactly. Um, So the house um, that was on fire belonged to... um, Oh, sorry. I jumped the gun right there. All right. So the house that they report to belonged to the Caffey family. So it was Penny Caffey, who played piano at Miracle Faith Baptist Church, her husband, Terry who was a home health aide and a preacher at the same church, and they had three kids. So the eldest was 16-year-old Erin, and she was a car hop at Sonic. Matthew, um, who they nicknamed Bubba, was in seventh grade, and the youngest, ma'am. I'm laughing just because it fits with the whole type of town and everything. It's like, of all names. See, okay, so here's my thing. Is Texas, okay, this is going to sound really dumb, but hear me out. So for me, the South is like Georgia, Alabama, like, you know, when I'm, like South, right? The Carolinas. Is Texas considered the South? Because it's like mid Midwest, no? It's it's the South, but... The places you named, you... Um... Us Negroes like to call it uh, the Dirty South. Ah, okay. So... So it is still the south. Yeah, it's still the South, but that's how they differentiate it, I guess. Because yeah, like, there is a difference. Right. And then, like, even though New Orleans is considered the South, they it's kind of make like, it seem... Yeah. It's the bayou. And mm-hmm. then Florida, though it's the South, I think it's Northern like Florida, they consider it different than Southern Florida. Right, yeah. It's weird, but it, like... All right, we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you listeners know a better description than what I use, go ahead and just let us know. <laughs> yeah, because look, I know there's a difference, but I don't know what to call the difference. Right. <laughs> um, so three kids. Um, there was Bubba, who was in seventh grade, and the youngest was Tyler, and he was in fourth grade. So they were all being homeschooled at the time um, for the last three years. And by all accounts, by everyone that knew them, the Caffeys were a quiet, shy, well-mannered family. And every, like, Everyone else in town, they were devout, um, very religious people. Mm -hmm. Um, They lived by the church and everything. So responding to what they thought was a shooting, police were surprised when upon arriving to the cafe residence, it was engulfed in flames. So as firefighters are called on scene, a sheriff's deputy responds to the house next door where he finds 41-year-old. Now, the house next door was a mile away. So that's how, like, rural this is. real country shit. Real country um so they respond to his next door neighbor and they find at the neighbor's house 41 year old terry caffey who was in the living room he had been shot five times once in the head twice near his right shoulder and two more times in the back his face and upper body were caked with blood and it was like a cold march night 
He was only wearing a t-shirt and his pajama bottoms, no shoes. He had one wet sock on and he had stumbled and crawled um, from his house to the neighbor's house and it took him almost a whole hour to get there because like on the way he fell into a creek and he almost drowned so like this man has been through shit so struggling to breathe losing blood every second terry caffey tells a sheriff's deputy he doesn't think he'll make it he also tells him charlie wilkinson shot my family so charlie wilkinson was no random stranger to the caffeys in fact he was their 16 year old daughter's boyfriend um and terry and his wife had recently demanded that their daughter stop dating this charlie kid Mm. seeking revenge charlie had broken into the cafe home and killed everyone or so he thought because terry survived and then set the house on fire to get rid of any evidence so this is what like deputies are kind of like piecing together it's a small town that like he said his name and everyone knew who he was um and it turns out that, like, Charlie Wilkinson, who was 18 years old, was actually, like, friends with another deputy, deputy's son. Um, and they used to go, like, hunting together and stuff like that um, and hang out together. So they knew where they could find this Charlie kid. Um, mm-hmm. And deputies were dispatched, dispatched to Matthew Wade's house. Um, well, it wasn't, well, a trailer. They were dispatched <sighs> to Matthew Wade's trailer where Charlie's car had been spotted. So inside, they find Matthew Wade and his girlfriend, and when they move towards, like, the back of the trailer in a bedroom, um, and this is very classy, instead of a door, it was just a blanket hanging. Um, oh, wow. Super classy. <laughs> they should have um, got beads instead. <laughs> <laughs> open concept is what we like to call it in the business. <laughs> um so he was laying on a mattress and he was only wearing like jeans and there was a handgun laying next to him so charlie is arrested and asked if he had um, anything to do with the cafe family murder which had just happened charlie didn't react and he stated that he had gotten drunk last night passed out and doesn't remember anything so as they're taking him to the squad car they notice that the cowboy boots very very dirty south of him um <laughs> that's country that's very texas of him <laughs> um the boots that he was wearing um that they had just grabbed from the trailer had blood splatter on them and in the living room they find aaron caffey's wallet and then as they like so he's detained at this point and they're doing like a search of the trailer while he's out so mm-hmm. they're moving like throughout the trailer and they find spent shell casings um in the same room that charlie was in and a Mm -hmm. box of ammunition and there was this is disgusting a used condom um that like fell off of like a blanket that they grabbed oh disgusting gross it reminds me of did you watch insecure the the episode yeah the second episode i think it was yes we watched it yeah when Issa couldn't find the condom and it fell out disgusting to think about that (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna sit my wand to 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 erase those thoughts ease the pain (laughs) at this point i think i might i might see if i can get me some wine because i'm bored so bro you should go to trader joe's because their wine is like four dollars and tastes like juice Mm. Mm -hmm. they got like they have like mango flavors they have peach pineapple they have all sorts and they're all like four or five dollars 
Now, I have had some pineapple Moscato before, and that shit hit so hard. So, all right. I guess I know where I'm going tomorrow. (laughs) Ooh, Nia about to be drunk on the next episode. No. (laughs) I'm going to be sleep. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to drink one glass. Sleep. (laughs) We all know this of Nia. She'll be like, oh, it tastes like juice. And then five minutes later, she's like, her <laughs> eyes are like glazed over and she's falling asleep. Snoring as shit. <laughs> yep. And y'all want me to drink. See, this is what happens. Look, we're in quarantine. What else is there to do, honestly? We know. I will say one thing. I went to the fucking liquor store today and all y'all bought the tequila, the good tequila. I couldn't find none. I hate all y'all. This living room tequila that's been at my house for weeks now, you better take that shit home. No it might not be it's... your favorite, but it's something. Look, I need good quality. Primo. Primo. Excuse me. I forgot I'm talking to a bougie bitch here. So I forgot all about that. Look who's talking, ma'am. <laughs> Pot meat kettle. <laughs> and this is why we're friends. <laughs> all right. Back to the story. Okay, so they find the nasty used condom, um, and they move towards like they're in the same they're in that room where they found him, and they move towards the back towards like a closet, and there was like a pile of clothes and like blankets and stuff, and so like kind of in the middle of it, they notice that there's like some blonde hair like just there, and like the deputy thinks that it's like a doll, but then they start moving the blankets, and it turns out that it's Aaron Caffey who's in that pile, who's the daughter, the 60-year-old daughter of the family. Oh, what? It's, like, in there. And so, like, she's still wearing her pajamas from the night before. Um, she looks, like, dazed and confused. She's kind of acting like she's, like, drugged. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't oh, know how alive. she got there. She's alive, yeah. Oh, and, it, wow. like, the way that they describe it is, like, they move – like the stuff from her like the clothes from her face and her eyes are closed and all of a sudden she just like opens them must have freaked the shit out of them (laughs) yo (laughs) what if they had never mind i was like what if they shot her out of being scared oh no she's the wrong color for that to happen (laughs) true you know what you're right you're right (laughs) why would you even think such a thing (laughs) i'm sorry I forgot the whites are just so privileged out here. Yeah, yeah. One of us would have been in a closet. It killed us. We're like, damn. Like, she attacked me. It was self-defense. All right. (laughs) So she looked drugged. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know how she got there. And when they asked her what had happened, all she could respond was fire. Um, So quickly, deputies realized that Erin had more than likely been kidnapped. And maybe she had no idea what had happened um she had no idea that her family was dead so she was rushed to the hospital once stabilized the first round of questions begin Mm -hmm. so she seems confused still she's repeatedly telling officers that she was 14 years old when in reality she is 16 years old um she had woken up in a house full of this is what she's telling deputy she woke up in a house full of smoke there had been two guys with swords dressed in black who had ordered her to get down on the floor she couldn't tell officers how she got to the trailer but she did remember drinking some stuff while she was at the trailer and then she couldn't recall anything afterward she was teary at the start of the interview but otherwise she showed little emotion so there's like certain parts where she started like tearing up but for the most part she was like very monotone oh wow so 
we're going to pause here with that information that you guys have and we're going to have to backtrack a little couple months couple years so that y'all can get like the background information as to what what leads up to this very moment basically okay so like i said in the beginning the caffies were super devout and religious conservative all of that stuff and along with that they were overly of course overly protective of their only girl Aaron, because you know sexism um when Aaron was 13 the caffies moved from celeste texas to alba which was about an hour difference um or an hour and away the kids were enrolled into public school Aaron was starting the eighth grade but not long into the school year a girl who had been showing some interest in Aaron, like kissed her in the hallway and of course the super religious terry and penny were like so upset, so disturbed, disgusted, and all that, that they immediately pulled all their kids out of public school and started homeschooling them with a Bible-based curriculum. Because that's the way to solve things. So the crime happened in 2018. Aaron was 13 when this happened. So 2005? When the girl kissed her? Yeah. 2005. Okay. So instead of, you know, just like explaining things or, I don't know, I mean, I, I believe Texas is part of the Bible Belt, so they probably oh, think I'm not you surprised can, at all. Of course, they probably think you can pray the gay away. So, Lord, <laughs> Lord, that's all I can say. <laughs> God. So the kids were already isolated because it's such a rural like town. But removing them from public school, which is like their only social setting aside from church, was completely like isolating them. They would only be at home and then go to church, and that's it. And they were six miles away from the nearest small town like bigger town but still a small town so they were like completely alone like Mm -hmm. the kids were completely isolated so when Erin turned 16 in july 2007 she got her driver's license and she also got like an old pickup um and started working at the sonic and all her co-workers said she was like super sheltered um and it was like she was seeing the world for the first time like they could tell she had never like lived any of this Mm -hmm. um which was kind of like i guess attractive to a lot of guys because like all her coworkers said that every guy who ever like came upon aaron was like immediately attracted to her like they immediately like wanted her or whatever and she was like so naive that like she like didn't get that they were flirting with her and would just like laugh off when they asked for like her number which is completely relatable like there's like i remember like i must have been like 18 or 19 and like now that i think about it i know that like these creeps were like hitting on me but i used to think it was like so innocent and they just like wanted to be my friend and it's like oh and now that i look about it i'm like oh girl no they were not growing up sheltered and stuff shit like that happens because you don't realize it because you're not exposed to it exactly you just think like everyone who comes up to you is like trying to be your friend or trying to be nice and it's like you don't realize that they have like these like alternative motives exactly Mm -hmm. um so being at sonic it made her like more sociable i made her open up more and so um one day at church she had been seen smooching with some kid um, yep and it was like a new youth director who found them and then several kids like i guess i don't know word got around and several kids came out and they were like oh yeah we've seen him smooching around and I, we saw his hand in her shirt before oh, yes. wow! 
ma'am. So obviously her parents were infuriated, they were embarrassed, and they immediately told Aaron to stop seeing the boy. Um, So shortly after this incident is when Charlie Wilkinson comes into the picture. So two separate boys. It's like the church boy and then Charlie Wilkinson comes in not long after. Okay. Uh, So Charlie was just your regular country boy. Um, He like wasn't rich. He wasn't like polished or anything he drove a beat up 91 ford explorer he loved hunting fishing and like tracked wild hogs um which i guess is a thing in rural texas or whatever (laughs) and he planned to go on active duty after graduation so aaron and charlie wow yeah (laughs) just keep going i'm not even (laughs) we know (laughs) So Aaron and Charlie met at the Sonic she was working at, um, and it was kind of like almost love at first sight. So of all the dudes um, at Sonic, of course, like I said before, who had like tried to hit on her and stuff, she actually gave Charlie like a chance. They described it as an instant vibe. Um, The Caffies wouldn't let Charlie take Aaron out alone, but they, of course, still managed to spend a lot of their time together because where there's a will, there's a way. And these are teenagers, so you'd be surprised what these motherfuckers come up with. (laughs) Um, Charlie dropped by the Sonic every afternoon during Aaron's half-hour break, and most nights he would go to the Caffey house, but at 9 o'clock he'd have to find his way out um, because that was like her curfew. He couldn't stay past 9. But mm-hmm. even after he left, once he got home, they would talk on the phone until, like, 10 o'clock at night, and that was her phone curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the weekend, she had until 11 p.m., so, whoo, so special. Let me shut up, because I wasn't allowed to talk on the phone. Same. I was not either. <laughs> Ever. I, I think I didn't talk on the phone until, like, I got my own phone. <laughs> <laughs> no one was could- allowed to call my house. Yeah, I could talk on the weekends, but my mom would complain, so it was pointless. Yeah, basically. So, um, Charlie began attending the Caffey's church, and in December, Erin asked her parents if she could return to public school. So, the Caffey's agreed, and she returned after Christmas. Erin started public school, um, and she actually started as a freshman, even though she was 16. But she had, since she had lost those years in public school, I guess they had to keep her back. Um And at this point, Charlie, I believe, is already a senior um, in high school. So Aaron and Charlie began, uh, they became even more inseparable since they were going to the same school now. Um, And you know that, like, annoying-ass couple? I know you know, in high school, that they acted like if they let go of their hands in the hallway, one of them would, like, fly away. (laughs) They would not let go for the life of them. Yes. This was them. Like, that was them. Ew, barf. Disgusting. Yes. They'd, like, walk together to each class and blah, 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 blah. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) So, by this time, Terry would allow Aaron and Charlie to go out um, to dinner without supervision, which was, like, big for them. Wow. Um, As long as Aaron was home by 9.30. But, of course, being teenagers, instead of going to dinner, they didn't eat food. They ate something else, if you know what I'm saying. Um, no. <laughs> shortly after Christmas, they had sex for the first time. Let me guess, it was in a barn with some hay. Oh, they didn't describe it, but I'm, no, they apparently they used to go to, like different friends' houses, and I guess they did it at some friends'. Oh, that's what we all did. So, 
I ain't gonna say anything because I didn't do nothing. <laughs> I was a virgin well, until after high school. <laughs> the one time I did anything that I regretted was at a friend's house. Hell, the- <laughs> I have scruples, okay? <laughs> there are no barns out here. Yes, there are, but I'm not busting it open in nobody's barn. Sorry. Just dabbed it. <laughs> you don't want the sound of cows? <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they have sex for the first time after Christmas because kids go and do what they want no matter what. Like, you cannot stop them. I think that's one thing that, like, I learned from experience just from, like, being a sheltered overprotected child and also reading this story it's like no matter what you do your kids are going to do whatever they want to do like they're going to find take a way over. Hormones Hormones take and over. also like the fact that like it's also i believe like part of me is like you don't want me to do this so i'm gonna do it like and you're making me super sneaky like you're teaching me how to be the sneakiest person ever but being the background that you described to these people, do you think they even told them not to do it? Like, you know, like some people that are overly religious, they don't speak to their kids at all about sex. I feel like they, they, if anything, they just said it's a sin. Yeah. So basically what I was just saying was, you know, when you teach kids abstinence or teach them nothing at all, they just solely go off of like what their friends say or their hormones yeah so they don't they just like whatever exactly yeah no very true very true but i just feel like yeah so that could be a whole nother episode in a conversation of that because we could go on forever (laughs) yep (laughs) so not long after committing the deadly sin um charlie gave aaron um (laughs) grandma's engagement ring as like a promise ring he was like i got the yeet she gonna marry me these yeeks are mine forever. <laughs> they ain't going nowhere. So he didn't officially propose, but he made it clear what his intentions were. Um, and he wanted to marry her in the future, but he knew that they were too young, but it was just like a promise ring. So Penny and Terry were not happy. Um, Penny saw Aaron wearing the ring one day at church and immediately told her to take it off. And Terry pulled Charlie aside uh, one day and told him um, that what he was doing was totally inappropriate that Aaron was only 16 and that like this was not going to happen mm-hmm. um, so I guess like the parents thought that this was just like a high school fling like when mm-hmm. it started and they were just like oh she's like they're going to go their separate ways and then she's going to find someone better because their whole thing with like Charlie was that like he wasn't like he wasn't like dirt poor or anything like that but he also wasn't like he was just not good enough for their daughter basically that was, was like their the wrong side up. of the tracks i mean or it was just a just like for them economic but, thing and i think a lot of it also had to do because charlie only went to church when he started dating aaron and so oh. i'm sure that for them was like a big thing or whatever and so like once they realized this wasn't just like a temporary thing that they were actually like planning on getting married they were like all right this has got to stop right um so the tension um oh so at this point they start limiting charlie's visits to only once a week and it was under supervision so they weren't allowed to go out to any dinners anymore um he was only allowed to see her once a, a week at night 
And then the tension between Aaron and her parents grew more and more because of this. Tron mm. said that one day she called him, Aaron called him, crying because her mom had slapped her. And about a month before the murder in early February, Penny caught Aaron on the phone with Charlie um, past her like phone curfew and Aaron was grounded. Her car and phone were taken away along with her weekly visit with Charlie. Um, so basically there was like no contact with Charlie anymore. So this is kind of like the tipping point of everything. From then on, all Aaron talked about was killing her parents. She talked about it nonstop. How did I know? It reminds me of Mommy Dearest. Where <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She told Charlie that killing her parents was the only way that they could be together. And Charlie, like, was head over heels in love with this girl. He was like, he didn't see anything but her. And he would do anything to keep Aaron happy. Um, countless people stated how Aaron had Charlie wrapped around her finger and um, Charlie tried to dissuade Aaron from thinking about killing her parents. Like, he tried to tell her, like, okay, it's not the only way. Like, we can run away. Um, he told her, like, yeah, we should run away. And even out of desperation to, like, try and, like, move her mind from killing her parents, he was like, maybe I should just get you pregnant and then they'll just, like, be like, okay, they have to get married. Like, there's no right. there's a baby. Like, this is how desperate he was to, like, not have not. her parents killed. On February 27th, three days before the murders, um, Penny had stopped by the local library to look at Charlie's MySpace profile. What she found were comments about getting drunk and having sex and all that. So when Aaron came home that afternoon, Penny and Terry were waiting for her in the living room. And Terry tells her, it's over. You're breaking up with him today. It's over now. Like, this is it. Oh, we're wow. not having this kid here anymore. So, to their surprise and mine, Terry says that Aaron didn't, like, protest. She was just, like, crying, and she was like, yeah, I've wanted to break things off for a while, but I wasn't sure how to, um, and, like, I'll do it as soon as possible. Like, the next time I talk to him, I'll break things off, which is, like, kind of weird. It's like, mm -hmm. how do you go from, like, polar opposites of, like, wanting to kill your parents for this kid and then being like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, I'm going to break up with him. It doesn't make any Maybe sense. Maybe because of what she saw in MySpace, or it could have been the moment in her mind where she was like, yep, I'm going to kill these motherfuckers. And it was the latter, of course. Because <laughs> she was not breaking up with Charlie. That was a lie. It's like she, she told her parents that just to keep them off her back. When yeah. In reality, she was still very much in contact with Charlie and had every intention of having him kill her parents what's with these kids killing their parents just because Thanks. they don't get their way like gypsy, gypsy rose had a reason but this girl really didn't have one At her all. parents even though they were like uber religious they sound like typical parents like they want the best for them and they don't want you running the streets getting pregnant at 16 exactly. i don't see the problem here exactly and it's like they weren't abusing her they weren't like mm-mm they were wholesome people. They just wanted to, of course, no parent is perfect. There's going to be, like, things you don't agree with, but fuck, you're not going to kill your parents. What the fuck, bro? Not only is it illegal, but it's murder. <laughs> it's a deadly you know who don't do that? Bible. Just look at our skin very quick. <laughs> if you don't burn in the sun, you don't do it. <laughs> Wait, I still burn in the sun and I'm dark. You know what I mean. If you don't turn into a lobster in the sun, 
All right, so at 1.30 a.m. The, mor- the morning of the murder, Charlie Wilkinson and Charles Wade, who was Matthew Wade's um, younger brother, he was like the owner of the trailer. So owner of the trailer's younger brother. Okay. Um, they headed to the cafe home. Um, Charlie had recruited Charles, um, who needed money to be his accomplice. He had offered him $2,000 cash. Those $2,000 according to Aaron, were stashed in, like, a lockbox in the house. And so, like, once they killed the parents, they would get the money, and he would give it to Charles, and that was that, whatever. So the driver that night was Charles Wade's girlfriend, Bobby Johnson. Charlie insisted that during, uh, Charlie insisted during his interrogation that Bobby Johnson had no idea what Charlie and Charles were going to do that night, but she insisted on going with them. Um, Mm -hmm. So she didn't find out until, like, shit was about to go down, Um, that shit was about to go down. (laughs) So when the trio pulled up to the cafe home, the family dog was barking nonstop so much that the trio decided to leave because they were afraid that the dog would wake up the family and then, like, blow their cover. Oh, wow. As soon as they, like, leave the house, Erin, who was in the house, starts calling Charlie and promises him she'll keep the dog quiet if they return. So it was, like, over and over that she was telling him, like, I'll keep the dog quiet. You just got to come back. You got to come back. So that's what she did. She quieted the dog. She snuck out of her room, and they picked her up at the end of the driveway. So now the foursome drove um, around for about an hour trying to decide what they should do. In later interviews, Charlie, Bobby, and Charles all stated that they all begged and tried to persuade Erin into just running away and not hurting anyone, but she would not let up on any of them and insisted that killing them was the only way. Hmm. So they were not trying to kill these people. In the end, it was decided that Charlie would kill Erin's parents and Charles Wade would kill Erin's younger brothers. Um, at Aaron's own request, which is so fucked up. She told them that her brothers um, picked on her and she didn't want them to end up in foster care so that they, like, just had to off them, which, what the fuck, bro? Like, this girl is disgusting. Um, they drove back to the cafe house. Bobby and Aaron stayed in the car, so the girls stayed in the car while um, Charles and Charlie entered through the front door, the front door that Aaron had left open for them. So armed with two samurai swords and a 22 caliber pistol, Charlie went into Terry and Penny's bedroom, which was on the first floor, and fired at them until the gun jammed. So then Charles Wade comes in, unjams the gun, and fired two more shots into Terry and Penny. Charlie oh, wow. came back into the room after shooting them up and slit Penny's throat to ensure that she was dead. At the uh, sound of the gunshots, of course, Bubba and Tyler... Um, wake up and they yell out to their parents and this part is like so heartbreaking to me because i have two younger brothers but just like in general so when they realize that their parents don't answer them back and i guess they realize that something's wrong their first instinct is to go to their big sister's room to look for her for help and when they realize that she's not there they decided like bunker down in her room and hide out there which broke my fucking heart like yeah because the very person they expected to protect them was out to kill them exactly exactly so this is when charles wade instructs charlie to go take care of the boys because quote little ones talk um but charlie was hesitant he didn't want to kill the boys but still he goes up um he tells them to come out of the room and to head to their own separate rooms so bubba the oldest fights and he like tries to kick 
Charlie and so Wade who is downstairs and like you know those houses when like you go up the stairs there's like a balcony up there you can mm-hmm. see the stairs so like Charlie Bubba and Tyler are on that balcony and Charles Wade is downstairs and he's looking up at all of this so he um from where he was standing he shoots and hits Bubba in the face killing him instantly oh my god and charlie froze so this is when charles wade heads up the stairs and stabs eight-year-old tyler oh my god these accounts all came from charlie during his like interrogation and so when he's talking about like what he did to the parents and all that it's just kind of like monotone but as soon as he starts talking about the kids you start seeing like emotion and remorse in his voice like he said over and over again he didn't want to do it but at some point he admits that he might have stabbed tyler once Oh, wow. But then he says, like, all it was all Charles Wade who did it. So after killing the family, Charlie carried a, uh, a suitcase out, a suitcase that Aaron had left packed in her room, um, and she uh, he carries it out to her in the car, and Aaron's initial response after seeing Charlie for the first time, after killing her whole fucking family, was, I'm glad it's over. That's what she told him this bitch exactly so charlie uh heads back into the house with charles wade and they start to look for that lock box that had the two thousand dollars well when they open it using the combination that aaron had given him there was like only a few hundred dollars in the end like what they took from the lock box plus everything that was in terry's wallet and in penny's wallet the total was only 375 dollars wow yep um, so using pocket lighters, they set fire to furniture, clothes, bed sheets, everything that they could find that was basically flammable, um, and they run out to the car. In later accounts from Bobby Johnson, Charles Wade, and Charlie, they all stated that Erin was ecstatic. She was talking about how she was free now, um, and she even wanted to go back into the burning house to make sure that the bodies were there and that they were all dead. Like, mm-hmm. this bitch is fucking psycho. Um, after the murder, once back at Matthew Wade's trailer, Aaron and Charlie have sex. And that is the used condom that they find. Mm. Disgusting. Um, so with Charlie, Bobby, and Charles in custody, and with all their accounts of the night being basically identical and all pointing to Aaron as being a key accomplice, it was time to bring her in. So being a juvenile, Erin could not be taken in for questioning, so instead she was taken directly to a judge. She refused to talk to investigators and decided to give a written statement. In that statement was a brief, um, just little written whatever shit, Um, and basically it was the same thing that she told the deputies when they found her in the trailer. There had been smoke, strangers with swords, and um, she couldn't remember anything else. So she, like, stuck to her initial story. And to this day, Erin is sticking to one thing, that she had nothing to do with the murders. All she says is she was planning on running away that night, but then she changed her mind. But there was, like, these incriminating phone calls. There was a total of 13 phone calls placed between 11.46 p.m. and 1.58 p.m. the night of the murder. Mm-hmm. Those were the phone calls used to um, tell Charlie and them to come back and then uh-huh. calls like afterward once they were already back. So like um, she like said that those phone calls were because she was telling Charlie not to come in. She was gotcha. telling him like, 
I changed my mind. I don't want to do this or whatever. When in reality, like that doesn't make any sense just according to like the facts and all that. So a mental health counselor who was hired by the defense to evaluate Aaron said Aaron was one of the best liars he had ever seen in his 19 years of counseling juveniles. And it wasn't until after learning all the details of the investigation that the counselor realized that he was being played by Aaron. So Aaron had told yet another story of what happened that night to the counselor. In this story, Aaron insisted that Charlie had a volatile temper. He had killed her family after she had broken up with him and then he framed her. So she's like a fucking psychopath, honestly. Oh, I'm like, what made her that way? I mean, some people are just softer rocker, I guess. (sighs) Naturally. In the end, all four were charged with three counts of capital murder. Prosecutors um, sought the death penalty, but Terry Caffey, the father's sole survivor, um, he actually stepped in and asked to have the death penalty taken off the table. So all four pled guilty. Charlie Wilkinson and Charles Wade were both sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Bobby Johnson got 40 years and little Miss Aaron bitch got two life sentences to be served concurrently plus an additional 25 years. But basically all in all with good behavior, she'll be eligible for parole when she's 59 years old. So out of all of them, she basically just got a slap on the wrist. The fuck? I just want to know how she roped all these people into doing this shit for her. Thank you. Well, like, like if Charles you, Wade kid just seemed like hmm, he was with the shits, he would have yeah. done something. I just, it's like if someone approached me and was like, help me kill my parents, I'll be like, look, if you want to kill your parents, you go on ahead, but I'm not getting involved in this I'm shit. Be like, yeah, let me meet you there at eight. I'm going to be on the phone with the cops <laughs> at 7 30. That's something going down. Exactly. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? I don't, I don't get it. I just and there don't are get so it. many of these stories. Like, it's insane the number of stories that there are like this. I I mean, like like we said earlier, like I understand being frustrated by your by the rules of the house, or you know, wanting your way, or thinking you're grown, or whatever the case may be. But to kill your parents, especially and when they've brothers. done nothing to you. Yeah, and your little brothers. It'd be different if your parents were abusing you. Like um, like the West, how they were like molesting their kids and stuff. If they killed their parents, I'd have been like, oh, okay, like I get it. Yeah, claps. Round of applause. But but in this case, there was absolutely yeah. nothing that I can see that would warrant yeah. her doing that. It was, it's in, that's why I said this one's a doozy. <laughs> Hopefully they deny her parole. Hopefully, but... Judging by the color of her skin, you know how that goes. Yeah, they might say, well, she was a teenager. She learned. Yep, blah, blah, exactly. blah, blah. She's rehabilitated now, her faith, and blah, 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 but blah. But if you really know how the jail system works, they don't really rehabilitate anybody. At all. So. Ever. That's not a thing. Yeah. I mean, yes, people change, but a psycho but like it's that. It's done by like their own will. This bitch went and got her yeeks plucked after killing people. Like, I, that, that, not just killing people, killing her fucking family. Right. Like, it, it's there's something not right up in there. And she was like ecstatic. She wanted to go see the fucking bodies. Like, that's the shit that really, like, what? What? Oh, nah. I hope her father is okay. But, like, the, I think the thing that really adds to this is, like, it's like, the fact that she wanted someone else to do it for her 
and then make sure like it's like why not do it yourself like why do you have to add all these other people to it and then try and act like this innocent little victim because she pussy like at the end of the day she wanted it done but she wasn't um hard enough to do it herself yeah Yeah. she thought she was gonna get away with it clean right she's a manipulator so a show Mm mm-hmm all right, so we're going to talk about Mr. Terry Caffey now, the sole oh. survivor. <laughs> I thought you yeah, were not done yet. <laughs> nope, not done yet. So Aaron's father um, had miraculously survived, as we all know. He had been shot five times. He had a broken nose, fractured cheekbones, nerve damage in his right arm. Um, but what happened to Terry Caffey mentally, I believe, is far worse than what happened to him physically. Mm. He lost his whole family. Like, regardless of his daughter still being alive, he lost his whole family. Mm -hmm. Like, he was dealing with the murder of his wife, his two kids, and now he had to face the fact that not only was his daughter being accused of being an accomplice, but they're saying that she's a mastermind. Mm -hmm. They're saying that she's behind this whole thing. So after leaving the hospital, um, Terry makes the decision to kill himself, basically. He would go back to um, what was left of the house. He would take a bunch of pills. He would down a bottle of uh, James. What is it? Is it James Beam? Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever. I think that's what it's called. The alcohol. You're asking the the (laughs) non-drinker here. (laughs) I'm about to say Jameson? Like, I didn't know what you something beam all right um he was gonna drink a bottle of that and then he was gonna connect a hose from the tailpipe of the car to the window and just never wake up but before doing that he decided to like of course he was a man of faith and all that so he was reading his bible and he came to the conclusion that god had a plan for him and he wasn't gonna give up so instead he moves an rv onto the land where the house stood and he stayed there until he was ready to basically let go um i guess that was like his own therapy Mm -hmm. but throughout this time terry kept in constant contact with aaron before the trial visiting her twice a week in those days before the trial (laughs) ma'am i was just like bruh i could not so it level of forgiveness that I don't have. <laughs> it has to be your faith that drives you to that because good Lord. Mm-hmm. It, good Lord. In those days before the trial was set, Terry and Aaron never spoke about that night. It's kind of like Terry couldn't bear to accept that his daughter would be capable of doing something like that. So he was just like, if I don't ask any questions, I don't have to accept this. But it wasn't yeah. until the prosecution sat him down, put all the facts in front of him that he finally kind of like, had to accept it and he broke down and he was just like why like we didn't see anything wrong like we didn't see any signs like what did we do type of thing Mm -hmm. um but even after that he still only decides to accept the story that aaron has told him as the truth um the fact that she doesn't remember or whatever um but now he visits her once a month and he has since remarried and he's raising his two stepsons oh wow so just one quick after here, just to like cherry on top of all this bullshit. <laughs> Weeks after the killings while in county jail, Charlie Wilkins learned from his defense attorney that Aaron had, in fact, asked a previous boyfriend to kill her parents too. That boy that she was smooching at church, she had asked him to kill her parents. Yo, so this bitch yep. been wanting to mark her parents. Yep, and it was several months before she even like met Charlie. She had asked she, him to do the same thing. And she never spoke of anything 
weird in the house. She was just she was just acting normal. Like wow. By all accounts, everyone said she was acting normal. Motherfucking psycho these days. And that is the Caffey family murder. Well, (laughs) I have nothing to say. (laughs) I said it all. (laughs) That was a wild one. A doozy. I told you. Doozy. That was that was a good one. I. Who? I did not expect that. I. I'm at, I'm shocked that somebody would really just go and kill their whole family for no reason. For no fucking reason. And like, I swear, I feel like I say this every time we do an episode, but it's like these people that think that their solution is to kill someone, not realizing that you will get caught and then you'll have nothing. Like you won't have the person that you wanted, you won't have the money that you wanted, and you won't have your freedom. Mm-hmm. What is the reason? <laughs> what was the reason? What was the reason? Someone was playing music in the living room. Oh, I can't hear it. <laughs> okay, good. My bad. We both like, be looking off. So y'all know that we're recording via Zoom. So like each of us, whenever we hear something, we all look off to the side. Or me, one of the cats is at the window. So I'm just like staring at him. <laughs> like, That's what you were doing faces at. I was like, who's over there? freaking cat he was just sitting there looking at me through the window like what is she doing over there like bruh leave me alone it's the same one that, it's caramello the one that yeah. hisses at me like oh so he he doesn't really hiss at me anymore i think he actually likes me now but it's like dude stop being a creep at the window like, he wants to come in at this point sorry i can't let you in bro <laughs> if there was a way that i can catch him and cow cat and deflee them and everything then i would let him in yeah but i feel like you after that you couldn't let them out ever again so it's like just disease exactly especially because uh bodega cats are coming up with coronavirus and shit these days oh no 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 nope sorry my, my thing is when i move i'm gonna feel bad i'm like can i catch them and then release them in my new backyard <laughs> just sneak them into the uh not the trunk of your car that's too problematic we read too many um murder cases yeah <laughs> when they put niggas in trucks and shit well because i was like not in your car because they might scratch you up oh just though well yeah i see what you did there i know what you mean throw them into a box put some holes in them and then... <laughs> i mean as long as you put, put the windows down you should be good <laughs> i'm gonna pull up to my house it's like scratches all over my face and oh shit. my god <laughs> what happened to you oh the cats you know <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks you guys for listening to this episode. Uh hope you liked it. It was a one case, but I think it was a good one case. A very good one thanks. case. I tried. We'll see Give you props when props is due in the next quarantine. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm so done with this shit. Am I I don't feel my butt anymore. Oh no, my legs and, and ass are falling asleep. <laughs> yep same you saw me making those weird faces moving around oh yeah me too i'm like over here back is killing me <laughs> i'm sitting here in full like spread eagle trying to wake my legs up. see i wasn't trying to do that because i realized that on the video you could like see my legs and i was like let me not show nothing <laughs> just put a bad bunny shirt over the goods you'd be straight bro <laughs> i tried but i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway we out of here guys peace i'll see you later bye Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm.